The Athletic. Welcome back to 1874, a podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club on The Athletic. I'm Dan Bardell, joined by The Athletic's Aston Villa writer, Greg Evans. And right now you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of just £3.99 a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts, including this one. All you got to do is go to theathletic.com slash villapod to take advantage of this special 40% discount. That's theathletic.com slash villapod. And Greg, talking of articles, you've you've been doing a fair bit recently. You've had a few come out, haven't you, over the last seven days or so? Yeah, Dan, been really, really busy. Um, probably should have done one today as well because it's 40 uh, since Villa last won the European Cup. So. In, in fancy um, there. Kind of missed a bit of a big milestone there, but um, anyway, we, we, we go on. Um, yeah, so been working very hard. Did, did a piece with the 2002 Youth Cup winning team. Spoke to almost every one of those players, which was really good fun. I mean, you know, it's about seven or 8,000 words in there and pretty much everybody who's read it, including the players, have, have said um, how much they enjoyed it. So hopefully the listeners who haven't read it, you go and read it and, and see what you think and, and leave me some leave me some feedback. But... Yeah, and then also a little bit on the current stuff, you know, what, what Villa need to do next, um, how the season's panned out, um, some highlights from this season, and then just just a little bit about the recruitment drive, for, you know, in, in the in the youth team and, and how that youth team was put together. I mean, it's quite incredible, really, you know, that they, they spent £700,000 on Ruben Shackpoke from, from, from Norwich, who was going to be the supposed to be the star striker in the under-18s and he didn't play a single game in the youth cut run. So um just shows how much money Villa have invested. Yeah, his, his time will come. He's still, still he's 16, 17, isn't he? So he's, he's still got plenty of time. He can be involved in the, in hopefully another cut run next season. And you did Doug Ellis' piece as well, didn't you? That was since our last podcast. That's the, the last one I remember reading. I, I really enjoyed that. Such a character. Yeah, I mean, the, the reason I did that was just because when Doug Ellis was in charge, it was just a little bit before my time. I, I wasn't a reporter at that point, so I didn't ever have any interactions with him. I didn't, you know, I obviously knew about him as a businessman and as a chairman of Aston Villa, but I didn't know the ins and outs about him. So it was more of a, an educational thing for me. I wanted to learn about him. Um, took me bloody ages to put together, but... <laughs> it, was a long, it was a long read. It was a yeah. really long read. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, yeah, I must have I must have spoke to 50 people about him Um but hopefully it was well received and, you know, hopefully I, I got it all spot on and accurate because, you know, I, it, it was new for me. You know, I did, as I say, I didn't, didn't know, it, I, I couldn't include any of my personal experiences. So it was all um, the words of, of other people written into my own words. Yeah, I enjoyed it. As I say, such, such a character and was at the club for so long, so many tales. And I've heard some great stories about him over the years. So it was it was great to learn some new stuff about the man. And it's theathletic.com slash villapod if you do want to take advantage of that 40% discount and read some of Greg's stuff and all the other great stuff that's on The Athletic as well. And it's been a good few days, hasn't it, Greg? It's been a great, great few days to be a Villa fan. For, for me personally, being back at the ground was amazing two days in a row you mean don't have a game for 15 months and then suddenly I'm there two days in a row absolutely ridiculous but 
Villa end the season with, with two wins and, and a trophy for the under-18s as well. Just, just a great positive end to what's generally been a really positive season for the football club. Yeah, look, I mean, it's, it's been a season of progression, hasn't it? Dean Smith said that himself. Anybody looking in will, will agree on that. If, if anybody thinks that it hasn't been a season of progression, then, you know, there are something wrong with them because it really has been, hasn't it? The, the points tally, the league position, the fact that Villa was safe by about January or February, um, been a really good season and, and the men's team have done well the women's team survived in the WSL and then the youth team went and won the cup on on the final game of the season so really really impressive and the key now for Villa is just to become a that little bit more consistent next season and, and try and bridge the gap between themselves and, and sixth and seventh place. Yeah, I don't really get how anyone can argue that it hasn't been a season of progression when you've picked up 20 more points than you did last season. And, and normally that points tally would have got you into the, into the top half as well. And just great for Villa to end the season with, with, with two wins against Spurs and Chelsea, two, two really good established top Premier League sides. And because it had been a bit of a shaky end, I think it's actually it's that momentum thing again, isn't it? That you've got the two wins, you end the season well. Hopefully, you can carry that into the next season because that's what basically what we did this time last year. Yes, yeah, certainly. I think it was the first time for nine years that Villa had won on the final day of the season, which is you know yeah, it was quite something as well, isn't it? I didn't unbelievable really because I've been at every one of those games and um, almost, almost it was almost lost on me until I, I did a little bit of research. But yeah, that that was another good thing. Um, the fact that they beat Chelsea as well, a team who were in the European Cup final, um, you know, this week shows that that Villa can mix it with these elite teams if if they really. Um, you know, if they really put their mind to it and stay focused throughout the 90 minutes. And looking back now, you know, they've done the double over Arsenal, they beat Tottenham, they beat Chelsea, they beat Liverpool, they beat Leicester. Um, you know, they took a point off Chelsea at Stamford Bridge as well. It just feels like this team are progressing. They're slowly bridging that gap between the top teams. And 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 if they have a couple more decent additions in the summer, you feel that they could really kick on next season and actually get a little bit closer. Yeah, well, I think we only beat one team in the, the big six last season, didn't we? And that was the 37th game of the season when we, when we beat Arsenal. So to have pulled off some of the results that you've just said again, it's absolutely undeniable progress. And there was, there was 10,000 Villa fans in the stadium to, to watch on Sunday. And they made a difference, I think. There wasn't really any negativity during the game. Obviously, there was the booing of the taking of the knee, which I didn't really like, but we won't, won't get into that today. But during the game, having the Villa fans there, getting behind the, the players, it made a real difference and it kind of got them over the line in the end. I think it made a difference in both of the games, you know, the, the Youth Cup game and... Oh, and it's and a the very unfair advantage in the, in the Youth Cup, I thought. Very unfair. Yeah, I mean, look, it was almost... If we just take the Youth Cup game for starters, it, it was it was quite fitting really because Villa have absolutely smashed every team they've played in in, in the under 18s this year in, in that Youth Cup run. And it's a little bit unfortunate that supporters haven't been able to go and watch them. Um, and because they've been so dominant, I feel like in, in a strange, you know, football type way that they actually deserved to be at home with the fans ahead of, uh, in front um behind them. Because the way they went at them in that first half, they should have been home and dry, you know, totally by uh, by half time. The fact that they were only 2 0 up um, made it a little bit difficult towards the end when Liverpool got what turned out to only be a consolation. But look, I'm, it was a penalty, but I'm convinced if the whole end didn't shout as oh, much as they did when 100%. Brad Young went over, I'm not sure he got that penalty. Um, and there was just so many lovely moments. Ben Crisene, who, who the players believe, is the best of the bunch 
for him to score. Really? Yeah, they're, 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 I mean, you know, that, that's from the players, that is, you know, that's, and sometimes you can get more from the players because they see him day in, day out, and they think he's the best of the lot. Um, so that's really interesting. And, 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 and the way he took his goal in front of the whole end, lovely moment. Brad Young with absolute balls of steel, doing a little hop, skip and jump penalty technique like Bruno Fernandes, and then kissing the badge in front of the whole end. That wouldn't have happened, you know, a couple of weeks ago because there'd have been no fans there. And it's just it's just those little extra special moments for, for the young lads. And I mean, I had to laugh at times because it was like when they were getting applauded off at half time and they were kind of like saying thanks to the fans as they're going off at half time. And you never see senior players do that, do they? They always wait until after the the match. But yeah, I mean, they they're just young lads and they they haven't been used to that. And the fact that they were spraying each other with Lucas Aid instead of champagne at the end. It's just a really nice, really nice end to the season. And the day before, of course, there was there was double the amount of fans inside Villa Park. Still only ten thousand, but wow, you know, it felt like there was a lot more. Um, and it's a bit of an old cliche that, and um, you know, we've heard it a lot now, but it, it did certainly feel like there were a lot more fans in there. Well, I sat in the Trinity, which is unusual for me because I'm most season tickets in the whole end. And I tell you what, the whole end sounded so loud; it sounded full. It was amazing that, like, basically half, I don't even know if the, the Holton was at half capacity, but the, but the noise they made was absolutely ridiculous. And it really what, sounded like it was bouncing and it sounded full. And it must have been great for the players. Even when they came out for the warm-up, you could see Mings had a massive smile on his face, just getting applauded running out for the warm-up. Like, it must have made a massive difference to the players. Yeah, and I think I think there's, there's a lot to be said about having 10,000 pumped-up fans in a stadium compared to 40,000 and you know, half of them aren't really that interested, or mm. half of them aren't interested in singing. So what you, what you got to bear in mind is that every single fan that was in that stadium was absolutely buzzing to be back. They all wanted to sing. Um, you know, it was almost fifteen months of uh, frustration let out, wasn't it? And you know, and they and they used it to their advantage. But yeah, incredible atmosphere, and it just it'd be, it'd be really nice to see to hear what it's like when that. Um, when it when it's completely full on on the first game back, because I'm sure it'd be unbelievable. You know, it'd be like one of those semi final nights. Yeah, it won't won't be the same until absolutely everyone's back in there, all, all the season ticket holders and people that, that want to be there. It won't be the same, but it was nice to get a taste of it again. And like you say, 15 months of frustration let out. At one point, I was a bit worried I wasn't going to remember the worst of the LA 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 song. It's been so long since since I've sang it. I was concerned I wasn't going to be able to remember the words, but yeah, it was great, great to be back and great to watch some of the players in the flesh. And because I've I've watched Ollie Watkins, haven't watched Emmy Martinez to see players like that in the flesh and to see what they provide. It did provide a bit of a different perspective, and I saw things that perhaps I hadn't noticed before, like when Martinez made the save near near the end, and he's like celebrating with with the North Stand all all pumped up, and then you've got Ollie Watkins, who I thought was incredible on television, but in the flesh even more of a good player, just never, ever stopped running. And it was him, really, that made the first goal by forcing the corner from Chelsea. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you that, Dan. I mean, was there anything that, because obviously I've been to, you know, almost every game, but you watching on from the from from the TV and then actually being at the game. I mean, other than Watkins and Martinez, was there anything else that sort of stood out for you? The main one was how how narrow we defended. I don't I don't know whether that's been a, a thing. I know we defend narrow anyway, but I didn't quite realise in, until I saw it in the flesh how narrow we defend. Like the fullbacks very rarely close down the, the man who's out wide. They're, they're in the box. The back four is all defending deep in the box when the other team's on the attack. And we just look very solid. And I, I didn't laugh at you, but when you said about that, the concert right-back thing being maybe a regular thing next season against big opposition, I, I kind of dismissed it. But actually watching it in the flesh, we looked so, so solid against a very, very good Chelsea team because they had the ball for long periods. First 20, 30 minutes, I was thinking... It'd be nice if we could touch the ball at some point, but we rid the storm out, defended well and attacked at the right times and scored goals at really good times. But that was that was the main one, the, the narrowness of the defence, I thought. It's something that you hear Tyrone Ming shouting quite regularly during the game, you know, stay narrow, stay narrow. Um, that's typically more against the bigger teams. I think that, you know, the teams that are better than Villa, they, they often... Um, Give those teams that you know the width and let the let the fullbacks come on a little bit and give give them those wide positions. I think if you know if when you're playing Man City, that's the the, the kind of tactic that that teams have have tried to to take on to beat them. And look, it doesn't always work. Of course, it doesn't because Man City typically go and go and win most games. But it's an interesting one. Did you, did you hear much of Mings with, with with the fans in there, or was he um, sort of over overpowered by the supporters? I could hear it more on TV. I was watching him, so I could I could see visibly that, that he was shouting. And the fact that Chelsea were playing with wing-backs concerned me at times because they always seemed to be free at the back post. But the, the beauty of defending so narrow is that even if the wing-back was, was free, invariably someone would be there to block it. And yeah. the, the improvement in the camber as well from the last time I watched him, I and mean, let's face it, the last time I watched Villa in the flesh was Wembley and the games before that. I was quite glad of the break when COVID came because it was getting a bit of a frustrating time watching us defend. But just the difference in how solid and together they all looked. I thought I thought Nakamba was excellent. I thought Hawes was excellent as well. And I thought it was really nice to see players that perhaps haven't played as many games as they would like this season. They've actually had good seasons when they've come in, the likes of Nakamba and Hawes. They haven't played every game. But you know what? When they have played, they've offered something. With Hawes coming in and doing well, that's why that's why I think Konza at right back not every single game and, and not as as the strongest um, starting uh, lineup, but if he needs to, Conza at right back's a good option, I think now. And I think if Al Mohamedy does go, you know, if Gilbert doesn't stick on, stick up, stick, uh, stay here, but we, you know, we think Kessler will be going out on loan because that's the next stage of his development. Then I think Conza's a really good backup for Matty Cash if if he at right back and then you know bring Hawes in and then at the same time if that ever needs to take place you you also giving Courtney Hawes a, a game there as well and and I, I think he's done well in the games that he's coming. I remember that the Crystal Palace at, at home game, uh, Tyrone Mink got sent off and then you know Hawes came in and, and Villa were brilliant that day. Um, I, I did a season review and um, Tom Tom Kay in in the, in the comments reminded me about 
that Crystal Palace game, it almost slipped my mind, but that was probably one of the performances of the season, wasn't it? Yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah, to do it with 10 men and um, the way that the way that Zaha was causing so many problems early on and um, and then they just caught, kind of like rode out the storm and then and, and then got there. Um, and the Camba, yeah. Uh, for me, I think that Villa do need to upgrade on him if they're going to make that step up. But if you look at the last two performances and the last two performances alone, he's been brilliant and he has been the main difference. It's the way he sits in front of that defence and holds his position and and that allows John McGinn to get forward more and be a bit more free. Yeah, I thought McGinn was very good. You, you feel like John McGinn is more confident playing as a as a but you know, playing in his role when when the camp's there alongside him rather than Louise. Um so, yeah, it's an interesting one. It, it feels for me very much like Nakamba's overtaken Louise now. Yeah, I get what you're saying about Nakamba, and I absolutely think Villa know that they need to do business in the centre and midfield, and I think they'll try and get a, a proper midfielder that probably is a cross between Louise and Nakamba, because I think that's the balance that, that Villa need now, because they both offer different things. But having a low-maintenance squad player like Nakamba, players like that are, are invaluable. He's not going to kick up a fuss being on the bench. When he comes in, he, he does his job. And, you know, I, I think, yes, he'll be upgraded on, but to, still to have someone like that in the squad is very important. Definitely. And, and he's got a good relationship with Dean Smith. I think if, if you're a manager, having somebody like him who, who doesn't cause any problems, who's you know, a nice, quiet lad, family lad, sends lots of his money back home, um, you, you know, and just gets on with his work, and 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 he's really grateful for, for the opportunity that he's got at Villa, you know, that and works very hard as well, and does actually come in and, and do a job when he's called upon. That's a great player to have around, and um, there were a few clubs interested in him in January. I think I've said this in in previous podcasts, and 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 there were a couple of Championship clubs that wanted to take him on loan as well, but because of the relationship that he's got with Dean Smith, he wanted to stick around and and fight for his place and. And actually, back then in January, there were concern, some concerns that Villa might lose Louise to a bigger club at some point, or maybe even Man City. But look, that that, that won't be happening now. Man City aren't interested in buying him. And um, um, and I just think the way that he's finished the season, um, he's, he's, he's gone a little bit backwards, to be honest. Yeah, we need to get back the, the post-lockdown, Louise, who was so good defensively, was doing everything right. It was probably Villa's player of the season, wasn't he, when, when, when football came back. And this time last year, when I, I would have been sat here doing podcasts and I would have thought I'd probably never see Jack Grealish play for Villa in, in the flesh again. And I got to see probably a 50%, 60% sharpness because he's, let's face it, he hasn't played for 12 games. So it's, it's been a long time out. But again, it just shows the impact of having him in the team. He comes back in for the last two games and we, we pick up six points. It's, it's just ridiculous, really, how he raises the standards of everyone around him. Yeah, incredible. Did did you wave him goodbye, give him, blow him a kiss? No, 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 Greg. No, absolutely no, no. no, no. No, no. Okay. You confident it'll be an next season? Relatively, yeah. <laughs> you, I hope you're right. You, um, I get this concern every summer <laughs> or every transfer window almost, but I just get this. I think it was a genuine concern last summer, to be fair. Yeah, it, it was a genuine concern last season. Um, he's not at the crossroads that he was at this time last year where he was debating whether to move on from Villa or whether to stay. And the fact that he signed a five-year contract, you know, less than a year ago, leaves Villa in still a, a strong position. But th- there's always a concern when you've got a player of that quality and there's like and there's the likes of Man City and, and Man United interested in him. So, look, fingers crossed he stays. I, I, I actually think he will be a Villa player at the start of next season. And, you know, I, I certainly hope he is because Villa are a much better team. But, 
there's just always that risk, isn't there, with him? Yeah, he's got obviously got the Euros as well, which I'm hoping he, he takes by storm for him because I've been so excited about watching him play for England and I think he'll be at the 26-man squad and I think he'll, he'll get football, so I'm really looking forward to that. I also think there'll be other transfers that will happen that will benefit Villa, that will mean that other clubs don't come in for him. So I think, yeah, my gut tells me he'll, he'll be here next season and, and fingers crossed because he's an exceptional player and he's an exceptional leader as well now, isn't he, Greg? Yeah, um, I hope he gets his chance in the Euros. I know at the moment he can't train every single day, so um, you know he, he's just he's just managing his load almost. Um, uh, you know whether Southgate fight, thinks that's an issue in in these days ahead uh, will remains to be seen. I hope not. I hope he doesn't look at him and think, well, because he can't train every day, am, am I risking taking him? Um, I, I'm pretty convinced he'll be in that. He'll be in that final too. squad. It's a 26 um, manner, isn't it? You, yeah, you I, think I, don't, I don't see why. You, there. I don't see why you wouldn't take him because you know he can certainly build up his fitness in 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 the weeks ahead. But yeah, he, he is a leader for for Villa now. He's not he's not your vocal sort of um, ranter and raver on the pitch. He's more of a performance leader, and you know others follow him when when he when he when he's out there when he's playing. And he's a great player to have out there because. You've just seen the difference, you know, Villa with Jack Grealish, they, they average at 1.7 points per game and without him, it's just one. So, you know, it says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, it was a, a mixed day for Villa yesterday with, with, with the England squad, wasn't it? We expect Mings and Grealish to, to be in there and Watkins got into the 33 as well. Little bit surprised there was no concert just by virtue of, of Ben White and Ben Godfrey being called up, Greg. Were you surprised by that? Yeah, I was. You know, maybe I'm a little bit biased because I because I watch Esri every week, but I think he's had a really good season. And I think to to choose Godfrey and White, who admittedly both have had decent seasons themselves as well, but to choose them ahead of Conzo, I think is a little bit unfair because Villa Villa's defensive record this season has been a lot a lot down to Conzo. So yeah, he'll feel unlucky, but you know, time's on his side, so he can still get in there in the times ahead. Yeah, he was name-checked, wasn't he? Which makes me think his time will come and it won't be too far away. I think the other two just being a little bit more versatile, I think that probably worked in their favour over him. I think if because Ben Moore can play midfield because he can play right back and Godfrey can play all across the back four, I think for the purposes of the 33-man squad, I think that worked in their favour. And it's probably a good time, Greg, to, to plug the England show as well. If people haven't had enough of my voice, then they'll be able to listen to me on, on the England show. I'm rotating host with Mark Chapman and all the, the Athletics' excellent writers. They'll be, they'll be rotating as well. We did the show yesterday that should be out at some point today reviewing the, the squad. So, yeah, if you haven't had enough of my Go and check that out and you might enjoy that. You'll be going to listen to that, won't you, Greg? Support I will, your podcast don't I? I haven't yet. I haven't yet, mate. It's not, like it it's not out yet at the time of us recording. <laughs> okay. I thought you'd send it me in advance, you know, us being close and all that. No? I mean, I've not, I've not heard it. Got to edit my horrible new voice that seems to have appeared over the last few days. Being back in Villa Park hasn't been good for my voice. I've seen, um, I've seen there was a, a nice reaction from the Villa fans on Twitter when you when you posted that, you, that you'd got the, you know, the, the new geek. I mean... Seems like they were well, all well behind you, mate. Yeah, I get a lot of nice words said said about me on social media, so I can't, can't really complain. I know social media can be absolutely horrible. I'll tell you what, nicer words on social media than our producer writes about me in the bio for these episodes. Actually, I didn't realise how much I get hammered in the bio every week until, <laughs> until a few weeks ago. <laughs> that's us getting him up early that's why he's taking his revenge on you <laughs> I know I know I know T tough tough times yeah I wonder what the bio will say about me this week but yeah I really really appreciate all that all those kind words it, it, it does mean a lot to me 
Hello, I'm Mark Chapman, and I'm here to tell you what The Athletic has planned across its podcast network during the Euros. My pod with David Ornstein will become The Athletic's England show throughout the tournament to bring you all the latest news and insight from inside the England camp every single day. Then we'll also have nightly editions of the Totally Football Show, taking a look at all the big talking points from the competition and looking ahead to the next day's fixtures. Now, if you're feeling nostalgic for tournaments past, we've produced an eight-part documentary series that tells some fascinating stories from both on and off the pitch from the last eight Euros. Elsewhere... Michael Cox's Zonal Marking Pod will offer an in-depth tactical breakdown of all the biggest games, while Adam Hurry's Football Cliché Show will take a look at the tournament's alternative storylines. So, as this never-ending domestic season finally draws to a close, we'll have plenty of Euro 2020 coverage for you to enjoy as the tournament gets underway in just a couple of weeks' time. Well, then Greg, 2021 FA Cup Youth Winners, Aston Villa Football Club. First time since 2002 and I, I sat at the game and after 10 minutes I was starting to think this is going to be some score here, that there's, going to, there's going to be loads and loads of goals and then Villa didn't score again after, after I'd thought that. But it was a comprehensive performance and in that first half in particular, that, that group does not lack any confidence at all. They, they played with such swagger and confidence and actually fed off the fans being there. You know, I think it affected Liverpool that the fans being there, but the, the Villa boys, they just absolutely fed off it and, and really played with some swagger. Yeah, I mean, they have just been an absolute joy to watch. I've, I've, seen, every, I've seen every game that they've played in and the, the, thing that, the thing that's most impressive about them is even when they go a couple of goals up, that relentless drive to get more and more goals, it, it never stops. They just want to continue scoring and they're playing with smiles on their faces. You know that they're much better than pretty much every under-18 team out there. They've played a lot of under-23 football individually this season, so that's helped them um, step up. And yeah, God, I mean, the, the way they just went at Liverpool, I thought, wow, this this is, this is going to be another four or five niller, you know, because they'd won 6-1 in, in the quarterfinals, they'd won 4-2 in the semifinals, they'd won 9-0 in... in um, the previous round, 3-0 against Brighton. It, it's crazy, really, because the closest they actually come to going out was the first round when they yeah. when they won 4-3 and they needed Louis Barry to score right at the end. So, um, look, you know, a really good team, a nice bunch of lads. They look like they're having a lot of fun and um, hopefully we'll see a couple of them progress. Yeah, I mean, we've spoke about Chuck Wemeka, we've, we've spoke about Kessler in previous podcasts. I mean, Chuck Wemeka played obviously two games in, in two days because he came off for the first team. But I just wanted to focus on a, on a couple that perhaps over the year or so will, will have gone under the radar. Brad Young, what a, what a great player. He, he looks released by West Brom at 12. That's not looking like an excellent decision from West Brom. He, he reminds me of a little bit of, you know, when Robbie Keane first burst onto the scene. He really reminds me of him. He, he never stops running. He makes really intelligent runs. He's got a, a great bit of skill about him as well. His, his touch, his finesse, the way he can jink round people. It really reminds me of Robbie Keane when he first came through at Wolves and Coventry. He's certainly gone under the radar. There's there's a there's a rough sort of edge about him, and I think that's what gives him um, the advantage. Really, he's he's fearless. 
Um, he certainly knows how to finish. He's a, he's a confident lad, as, as we've seen with, with his penalties. Um, and he's got a really nice touch, hasn't he? You know, he controls the ball well. He can go at players and bring other players into play. Um, I, I, because there was a lot of hype about Louis Barra, you know, because of the, the big transfer fee from Barcelona, etc., and and obviously, um, you know, everything that went around that, and and, and that he played for England um, at the youth level, and Shaq Poke obviously coming in from from um, Norwich for big money. Brad Young, there wasn't really much sort of said about him and, and, he, and he went very much under the radar. But midway through the season, I started to think this guy is starting to sort of stick out for me. He looks like the one who, um, you know, could potentially progress. And, and a lot of people I've spoken to feel that he could have a decent career in the Football League. And obviously his aim will be to play for Aston Villa. You know, he, he said in his interview, the next aim for me is to get in front of a full Villa Park crowd for the first team, that's going to be mightily tough. It's going to be really hard for a lot of them to break through because at the moment, they're just good youth players and, and the step up to the Premier League is massive. What we've got to remember is Villa are progressing as a club all the time. So that all the time they're looking for better and better players, which is going to make it even more difficult for the youngsters to break in because they have to be absolute elite players to get through. Um, and I just think it's going to be tough for a striker, as it always has been. You know, we've seen Rashad Hepburn Murphy score loads and loads and loads of goals for the under-23 um, and not make it through. There's plenty of copious other examples as well. So it's going to be hard for Young, but I believe he'll have a decent career. It's hard, isn't it, really? Because winning the FA Youth Cup, it's it's not the end of the journey. I mean, this whole thing is probably the process of two to three years of really hard work and Villa doing some great things behind the scenes. I mean, you did a piece, didn't you, about the work that's gone on at the academy? And I think the academy staff, Christian Perzo, everyone at the club, they deserve a massive amount of credit because the Villa Academy was dwindling before the new, the new ownership came in. We weren't really doing anything of no, nothing was coming through. And, and you now look at it and you think, yeah, there's, there's something happening here. It's it's really strong and it, it's really positive. So I think the club deserve an awful amount of credit. And, you know, they've spent money on it, haven't they? That the owners want, want the academy to thrive and they want it to be successful. They've spent a hell of a lot of money on it. I think a lot of it stems from Wes Edens. Uh, you know, he feels like that is, that's the way forward. Obviously, you know, he runs the the Milwaukee Bucks as well, the basketball team in the NBA. So, um, you know, he's got more of a, more, more knowledge of, of running a sports team, but he believes that by really getting the academy going, um, it, it can make Villa self-sustainable potentially in the future by, by developing their own players. Um, they've increased the staff levels massively. Sean Verity spoke after the game and said, we've got double the amount of staff that we have now than we did 18 months ago. Um you know, they, they, they pay their staff well, they invest in good people. Um, what really impressed me was how they went about signing players. Now, when they were after the likes of, well, take, take Chuck Wameka, for example, when every other club wanted to sign him, um, you know, Villa went above and beyond to try and actually start that again. Take that bit away, forget Chuck Wameka, because that's a bit, um, that's a bit complicated. Um, right. Okay, so to, to take, take Swinkle, Sil Swinkles and, and Lamar, Lamar Bogard, for example, the two players that came in from, from Holland. Now, there were a lot of clubs after them. Obviously, Swinkles was at Vitesse Arnhem, Bogard was at Feyenoord, and, and the likes of Arsenal, Man United, Liverpool were all showed an interest. But Villa created this presentation for each of them individually to show them how, if they moved to Villa, they would improve as players. And, and it wasn't just sugar-coated either. You know, it was... 
this is what you're good at. This is what you're bad at. This is what you're going to get better at if you come to Aston Villa. And, and there were various things like they, they knew the names of each of their family members. And the presentation was just so individually personalised that when the players left that presentation, they thought, I don't want to go anywhere else other than Aston Villa. This is the place for me. And look, the two of them have played in the heart of defence in the Youth Cup final and won a trophy in their first season at the club so it was justification for them and it's, it's just pleasing to see an aggressive and strategic recruitment policy um you know coming off of villa and if you're a youth team player you if you're a youth, if you're an under 18 player you only get two chances to win the youth cup when you're 16 17 and 18 in, in those year groups so you know for those players they've gone and done it but your story was fascinating, all the stuff that's gone on behind the scenes. So if you want to go and read that, then then do, because it really is an interesting read. And it's good to see so much effort being put into it, because as I say, it felt like it was dwindling before the new ownership came in. I don't want to completely derail the podcast here, and you could be in some trouble this week with the episode bio, Greg. Are you in your dressing gown? I only just noticed. <laughs> Do you know what? It's taken you a while to notice this, but yeah, I am. Yeah, it was a little bit cold in here this morning when I woke up. My, my, my wife likes it really hot in the bedroom, but oh, bloody, I'm, I'm oh, what's, what's she doing? What's she doing with you then? <laughs> but uh, no, she, she likes it really warm, but um, I like it cold. So I have it cold downstairs and hot upstairs, but when I come down, I was a bit cold. <laughs> Yeah, so, just yeah, I am, I am, yeah, yeah. It's a good job we're not videoing, isn't it? But doing a podcast with Hugh Hefner this week. I was like, I've got, it took me a while to notice, but yeah, I was like, I'm sure he sat there in his dressing gown. Let's get back, let's get away from your dressing gown and, and back onto the Villa Academy. Another player I, I wanted to name check. Reiki in midfield. You'll like this because you're, you're a golf man. You, you love your golf. I wrote a half time on Twitter. It's his club selection when he's when he's making a pass. He's, he's got so many so much range in his passing. He, he always uses the right part of his foot. It's always got the right weight on it. I think he's an, an exceptional passer of the ball, Greg. An excellent distributor. Yeah, I mean, pa- passing is brilliant. That's something I've picked up on this season. And he obviously set up the goal for Crescenti. You know, love, again, a lovely pass to to uh, to to assist him, yeah, he's got something about him, hasn't he? As well, you know, he's big, he's he's tall, he's, he's range of passing, he, he can tackle, um, you yeah, can get about the pitch as well. And I don't see him scoring too many goals, but I don't think that'll be really he's a deep lying player, isn't he? Is yeah, he's more of a protector. Um, you no, know, it'd, it'd be interesting to see what he's like. I mean, I, I I expect he will be one of the guys that gets pushed out on loan next season and 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 gets time to develop in League One or League Two. Um, and 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 then see where that where they go from there. So yeah, it's really exciting, and it's really exciting for the Punjabi villains as well, isn't it? You know, having yeah. one of their own in the Villa team at the moment. Um, that that they're massively behind him, and and that'll help as well. You know, we, we want to see um, people from the area as well coming through, don't we? It's 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 it's, it's uh, there's nothing better than seeing homegrown kids coming through. So yeah, good character, someone they like at the club, and could have a big future. Yeah, I think throughout the whole cup run and obviously the, the Liverpool Cup game for the first team as well, I think he's the one that, that's impressed me the most, actually. I, I was really taken by him. I just think he's passing. He's sublime and he's he's my kind of footballer. I love a deep line midfielder that, that can pick a pass. And as I say, his club selection is absolutely superb. So he, he's definitely one to watch and hopefully one day we'll see him strutting his stuff for the first team. Hey. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's look now at the season in general, Greg. Let's go back. Let's let's pretend we're at school. We've all had a school report. We could do better with, with the grading in different subjects. What would you give Villa's grade this season? God, I mean, can't even remember what grades were. What we do in alphabetically, A, B, C's, and all yeah, that. Yeah, we'll go like A plus, A, B plus, B, B minus. All that. Yeah, adjustment. I think I think I suppose A. You know, really, they they they, they made that they they survived, didn't they? That was the main aim. They got into mid table. Um, and they produced some exciting performances along the way. But, you know, they weren't quite A-plus because that would have been European football, and it was just that tiny little bit of inconsistency when Jack Grealish was injured that let them down. Yeah, I was going to give it B-plus. I think you're quite generous there, Greg. I was a surprise. I'd like to be in your class at school. Well, do you know what? I think I feel I feel like... I mean, what, what more really did did Villa expect, like, kind of this season? I mean, what, you know... What, no, no, it's, it's true. You know it's what I mean? Stayed up by points yeah. on the last game of the season. So you can't transfer from staying up by a point to being the worst Premier League team that remained in the Premier League to then going, you know, to be a top six team. That That's just an almost, it's an almost impossible transformation. So for me, what they did, and, and as you mentioned earlier, Dan, you know, 55 points would usually get you in the top half of the table. For me, that was pretty much what they, you know, could have done. They couldn't have done much more. No, no, I think because of the the second half of the season was difficult. I think a lot of the points were picked up in the first half of the season. And Jack being missing for 12 games is going to affect anyone. I think if he'd have only been out for three, four, five games, I think we'd have picked up more points and we'd have been pushing towards the, the top. I mean, Everton have ended up finishing 10th, haven't they, in the end, which was I'll probably be disappointed with. But, you know, it was so tight up there. A couple more wins and we, we could have probably got top eight and that really would have been an exceptional season. I think it's been a great season. 
as is, but I think because of that inconsistency towards the end and we, we lost a fair few games, I think that probably took the shine off it a little bit, but it's still undoubted progress. It's been, been a great season and I'm positive that the club's heading in the right direction and is going to continue to improve, Greg. I mean, what, what's your take on next season more than anything? I mean, do, do you think Villa can kick on? Do you, uh, what, what, yeah. do you think, what do you think needs to change? Because for me, I think if you look at the 55-point haul, they're only seven points off Tottenham. And, and if, if, they'd have got, if they'd have picked up those seven points somewhere along the line, they'd have been looking at you, they'd have been in European football next year. But I think that was achievable this season, the way the season's been, actually. I do too, I do too, but it's so very rare in the season that you see more than one or two teams having you know completely surprised seasons. And you look at Leicester winning the FA Cup and then and then just missing out on Champions League football. But they've probably had a little bit of a surprise season, haven't they? And then you've got West Ham. West Ham as well, who have been the real surprise candidates of, of this season. But it's rare, isn't it, that you get so many teams. Um, so, you know, I, I just... Uh, it would have been amazing if Villa would have got in the in the in the European football places. Not you know, unbelievable. But I just I just think you've got to be pleased with what what they've done. I'm, I'm not playing down how pleased I am. I'm absolutely delighted with the progress that the club's made. And this time last year, I'd have snapped your hand off for anything like this because I thought we were going down to the Championship. So the the progress has been completely undeniable. But it just it was that that inconsistency in the end that cost them. But I think we'll recruit well again in the summer. I think we'll upgrade in key positions, get players that are first team ready to make an improvement to the first team and then players that have played a lot of games suddenly are, are not starting every week they're on the bench and the squad improves and I think next season they'll be pushing towards Europa League football I'd like a cup run I want to say it's win something it's important isn't it mm. that's that's my underlying thing I watched that FA Cup final I was jealous of Leicester winning that FA Cup it's been too long since Villa have won a trophy and I think pushing towards the, the top six top seven next season for Villa progressing as a club, maybe getting a few academy players in and then just getting that, that cup run and winning something because it's been too long since the football club's lifted a trophy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not it's not like they haven't had the cup runs either, is it? No, I know. No. It's just actually going that final, you know, jumping over that final hurdle and, and winning it. You know, we were in the League Cup final, weren't they, last year? Um, the FA Cup final under Tim Sherwood, a couple of finals before that. It's just getting over that. It's getting over the line, isn't it? Getting it done. Villa just don't turn up in finals. Except for the playoff the one year, thankfully. I mean, yeah, of course. But look, you know, well, I mean, there's there's another one for you. It's, it's what, four years to the day since the last playoff final as well, wasn't it? The one that they lost, which was... Uh... <laughs> Um, horrible you know, day. A horrible, horrible day. I mean, I, you know, I was genuinely concerned for the future of the football club after after that day. And, and when you think of the the chain of events that have followed, you know, where, where Villa are now, it's I mean, it's, it's it's unbelievable. A lot of supporters won't know just how. I'm sure I've said this many times, but a lot of supporters just don't know how bad it really was. You know, the club was in an absolute dire straits. It was it was unbelievably bad. Um, anything could have happened. So where they are now is is incredible, really. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be taking a little break for, for a few weeks on this podcast over the summer, Greg. So I'm not going to be able to ask you every week about transfers, but people always want to know what do you know? What do you know? Tell us something. Give us something. What do I know? Well, look, you know, it, it's getting, uh, I'll be honest, you know, it's getting harder and harder to, to, to get transfer stories out of Aston Villa. They're very much a closed shop at the moment. They want to do all their um, business privately. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to come on here and admit that I know everything that's going on because, you know, I don't at the moment. And I, what I do know is that Villa are trying to get two or three players um, in key positions who that who they feel that they can improve on. 
Um, Emi Buendia is certainly a player that that he, that is on the the list. Um, there's a story that I've got going out in a couple of days uh, with a bit more explanation around that and some other players who Villa are interested in. So um, you'll have to look out for that one now. I can't reveal just yet, um, but it's just going in. you got bits and pieces then, Greg. L- little bits, but yeah, um, you know, let, let's see for now. It, uh, uh, what what what, pl- what supporters have to remember is when, when a club is interested in a player, there's a big difference from just having an interest to actually deciding to go and buy that player. So there could have been a lot of, you know, scouting of an individual um, and, you know, the club could be very interested in him. But then when it comes to actually making a bid or trying to get him out of a specific club, uh, it becomes a lot harder. So, yeah, look, I know supporters get very excited around this time of the season because there are lots of names linked. Other supporters get very frustrated because they feel a lot like of it's a silly season and it's a lot of you know bad information. So we try and deal with facts, and you know what, what I can guarantee is everything that that I that I write and report will be double, triple, quadruple checked and, and made sure that you know the uh, the information is as accurate as possible. So. Yeah, look, look out for that story, which will probably be going out on Thursday or Friday. Um, whether there's any additional movement between those days, I'll, I will include that, of course, as well. So, yeah, I'd, I'd expect Villa to go big on. So to cut, to, to cut a long story short, I'd expect Villa to go big on a couple of players, um, a wide player who could play potentially number 10. Um, there's reports in the industry that Villa are looking at a striker as well. Um, don't expect them to go big on him and uh, a little bit of movement in defence as well. Okay, not the striker. I was anticipating then if if we're not going big, see, I'll, I'll look forward to your piece as as well. I'm not even going to hassle you about it. I'm just going to wait for it to come out, and I'm going to give it a read. I'm not going to not going to annoy you. <laughs> Thanks, for that Dan. I appreciate it. <laughs> Let's end as ever with the top three, and we're finishing with the top three moments of the season. I've done it, so I'll, I'll just get on with it. Third, three gone with Emmy Martinez saving the penalty against Sheffield United in the first game because I really think that set Villa on the way to, to a good season. I feel like that's a sliding doors moment. If that pen goes in, I think perhaps Sheffield United's season goes a little bit differently and so does Villa's as well. And we were just also excited to, to watch him play and, and have him in goal and he just made such a positive and good start. So I think that that penalty save set Villa on the way to a good season. Yeah, definitely. Re- really important. Really important save. That's my number three. Number two. I've been getting picked up a little bit about my dislike of Arsenal on, on social media a bit recently, but my number two is the fact that we did the double over over Arsenal and just made them look so ordinary the, the two times we played them. It, Villa had struggled against the the so-called big six the season before, and I think doing the double over over Arsenal was, was quite a big thing. And that that game at the at the Emirates that we won 3-0, I, I thought we were absolutely brilliant. So I, I bucketed them into one, the fact that we did the double over them and just looked like we're a better football club than them, to be honest. Yeah, I've I've certainly picked up on that as well, Dan. You you, you feel like Villa are, are edging past Arsenal, and oh, we, like we're getting you, there. I've got you have got a serious dislike for them. So no, it's not a dislike. It's not a dislike. I've worked with too many Arsenal fans over the years, and you know what? They're so unreasonable. I just want Villa to to usurp them and be better than them, and I, I genuinely think it's coming. I'm gonna say now, Villa will finish ahead of Arsenal next season. Wow, that's a big shout. It's a bold shout. I, I think that's happen. European football for Villa. Then, yeah, yeah, well, I wouldn't bet against that. Villa will finish ahead of Arsenal next year. Villa are a club heading in the right direction. Arsenal, on the way down, mate. We're going to finish ahead of them next year. I hope you're right. Me too, me too. You've probably no prizes for guessing what number one is. Have a guess. Um... One. 
Why can't I guess this? Oh, it's got to be the Liverpool game. Yeah. 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 There's nothing. There's nothing else to choose. Is it that that seven two was just absolutely ridiculous? And that was at when Liverpool hadn't been on bad runs when they hadn't been struggling when Van Dijk wasn't injured it was a statement performance from Villa and just a ridiculous game I remember being sat on the sofa just not believing my eyes of of what was happening and how good Villa were Ollie Watkins scoring a hat-trick Grealish running the show Barkley looking like he was going to be the sign of the season great times and yeah 7-2 against Liverpool you can't choose anything else really it's funny you should say that because I did in my season review <laughs> go on then I said the actual the, the 3-0 win at Arsenal was the the most complete performance of the season, so um, I, mean, I wouldn't disagree with that. But I think just the result of seven two, yeah, was just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I, I think maybe I was thinking, I was trying to be a bit controversial, I suppose. But you're not working no, no, for the your mail anymore. It wasn't that. It wasn't that. It was because I'd mentioned the seven two game um, previously, and and uh, and I do still firmly believe that. You know, Liverpool had quite a lot of chances, if you remember. Arsenal were, were, were limited to hardly anything. It was a dominant, totally dominant Villa performance um, against Arsenal. So I think that was a better performance still. I wouldn't disagree with that. But I just think as a moment, I've, 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 with the task I've been given. Yeah, fair enough. That was, I had to pick that as number one. I don't feel like I could have picked anything else. And and that does us, Greg. And it's it's been a pleasure podcasting with you this season on 1874 for The Athletic. I think I think we've had a... An enjoyable season doing it, unlike the season that we started, really, where it was a lot of it was hard work. I think most weeks we've come on and we've really enjoyed talking about Villa. No, it's been really good fun. I think, and you know, I want to, I want to thank obviously everybody who listens. You know, all the people that comment on on Twitter. I, I presume they comment more towards you than me, Dan. But you know, I'll, I'll take the uh, I'll take the ats and the mentions. Um, but yeah, obviously, thanks for all the support from everybody. Um, and and the interviews as well. We've we've done we've done a fair few interviews as well, haven't we? You know, honestly, these years and seasons get mixed up, and it feels. I'm like... not even sure if it was this season the interviews, <laughs> except for Stefan Moore. <laughs> to be honest, summer, wasn't it? it was last summer we did all those lockdown uh, interviews, wasn't it? But yeah, we had, we had Stefan Moore on recently, and a couple of other guests previously. So obviously, thanks to all those as well. Um, you know, I really do appreciate the time that they give us, and so yeah, it's great. Yeah, I echo that. It feels like that the podcasts become more popular this season. Like I feel like the engagement and the interactions on social media has been more than it was in the season we started. Maybe that's something to do with Villa being a better outfit as well, and the athletic subscriber base is, is growing all the time. But yeah, it's just been really nice. All the nice words about the podcast, and I thank everyone for listening and everyone for reading your stuff as well because they're, they're accompaniments, really, aren't they? That they go hand in hand. And yeah, I've to say to you as well, I think you, your writing's been excellent this season. I think you've done some really strong pieces and. You continue to get better every every article as well. So yeah, well done to you. Thanks, mate. Yeah, yeah, it's been good fun. Been really enjoyed it. There's been lots of variety, and obviously it massively helps when Villa are winning. So um, let's hope we can meet up with some of the supporters as well in the next few weeks and, and months. Yes, now I've had a taste of being back. August can't come can't come quickly enough. It, it's weird. I've been twice in two days, and I've got to wait again till <laughs> till 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 August. I'm sure it's you a can little do bit it, frustrating. I'm sure, you can. Yeah. Do it. I'll get through it and obviously we've all got the Euros in England and hopefully watching some Villa players in that to look forward to so it should be a good summer Greg I'll let you get off to the the Perler Express now and we'll we'll finish our our podcast Brilliant I'm warm now
The Athletic.